Hey Mountain, my name is Hillary and it's great to be with you today as we're continuing in our series, Wish You Were Here. You know, I love this series title because it resonates so deeply with me. I've got friends and family spread out all over the country who I haven't seen in a long time. And honestly, I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And every time we talk on the phone or FaceTime, it's like, man, I wish you were here. I wish we were together. I even remember the first time I got a postcard in the mail as a kid. And I, of course, I've saved it. It's from my small group leaders and my preteen years, Phil and Lisa. Because every time they'd travel and go adventure to a new place, they made sure to send us small group kids a postcard just to say, hey, we're thinking of you. And I would get so excited because it made me think, wow, maybe one day I can go to that place too. You see, wish you were here just hits differently. It's not just some frivolous wish or some kind gesture. It hits us deep because there's a longing in all of us to move beyond the here that we're at right now, especially when it's God's call beckoning us, calling us to move from here to there. God is asking each of us, telling each of us, I wish you were here. There's more to life than this. And that's what we've been talking about all in this series. We're each taking revolutionary steps to change so we can have amazing impact in our lives and meet God in a new and fresh way. So I hope all of you have been joining in on those. Maybe you're participating in the fast. That's where we're abstaining from food Thursday evenings through Friday evenings each and every week so we can spend time in prayer. Maybe we're abstaining from something else like your phone. I don't know. But I hope you'll join me and Ben, the rest of the staff team and the elders in this revolutionary practice to meet God in a new and fresh way. Maybe you've been busy or just a little skeptical and haven't jumped in yet. It's not too late. Just text the word FAST to the number on the screen to get connected and get some support. And then last week, Ben introduced the second act of revolution, which is all about worship. It's taking a stand and making worship a priority in our lives, remembering that worship is a verb. It's something we do each and every day in response to the gift that God has given us. Worship is our gift back to God the way we live our lives. So we don't want to be just observers. We want to be active participants in worship. And so I hope you'll do that today. It's important to remember, y'all, we're all on this journey together. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're still kind of like, I don't know about this Jesus guy. The important thing to remember is we each have a step to take to move closer to God's call that says, wish you were here. And that's why we need more than just goals. Goals are good and all, but we need revolutionary change, big change that'll make lasting impacts in our lives that are timely and help us get from here to there. So it makes me wonder, who do you call when big changes happened in your life? The person I call, you know, one of the first people I call is my mom, just is. But if I'm honest with you, I'm really texting her probably almost every day. I just like to talk to my mom. She's fun to be around, and we live 400-plus miles away from each other, so sending a joke or a gift throughout the day, I just like to be around my mom. But she encourages me. She challenges me. She speaks some truth into me and lets me know when I'm acting crazy. I'm a better person because of her influence in my life. Do you have someone like that in your life? I know it's been really hard with COVID, 
that's, that's been the biggest challenge, really, is just staying connected. We've been so disconnected, and we're missing community and people. But think about a friend that you might have in your life. Maybe it's an old best friend who you just like being around. You're a better person because of them. You admire their character. You learn from them. They challenge you. They speak truth into you. Those are transformative relationships that bring out the best in us. We need good friends like that. But oftentimes, we forget that Jesus invites us to think of him as a friend. You know, in Mountain Kids, our kids' ministry program here, that's one of the number one things we make sure our preschoolers know, that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. But how often do we adults forget that? Just like that influential friend who wants to bring out the best in you, Jesus wants to bring out the best fruit in you. He wants the best for your life. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus has his face towards the cross. He's done a lot of good work up until this point. He takes this moment to remind his disciples of all that he has taught them and to encourage them to abide and remain in him. Listen to what Jesus says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we've got a beautiful plant here that's growing from the stem. And it's got its branches and its fruit as the leaves. But I imagine the image that Jesus' disciples thought of was that of a vineyard and a grapevine. Where you have the, the, the trunk shooting up and the cordon, the vine, the wood-like vine. And from there, the spurs would shoot up. And that's where fruit would come. That's where the buds would blossom. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture because Fruit only flourishes when it's connected to a vine. Jesus is clear about that. He commands us to abide in him, remain in him. People will know we are his disciples because of the fruit of our lives. Fruit being produced in us looks like love and joy, patience and kindness, all the fruits of the spirit. It's evidence of God being alive and active in our lives. But if we aren't connected to Jesus... If we aren't abiding in him, we won't produce fruit, plain and simple. It's just not possible. We might as well be cut off and thrown out. And I'm no master gardener, but it's clear to me that a plant isn't healthy if it's not producing fruit. And so it's time to ask ourselves some questions. Am I in a healthy spot? Is fruit being produced in me? Is it good or something rotten growing? Am I abiding in Jesus? You know, I was sharing with a fellow staff, me- staff member helping me prayer, uh, prepare for this message, and, and I shared with him, you know, it's been a little hard. It's, it, I've had some tension, and in his wisdom, he said, press into that. And you know, part of the reason is because I know I have to answer those questions too. I know that I am not always good at abiding with Jesus. I need Jesus' help here too. Continuing in these verses together, Jesus is clear that God prunes those who produce fruit so more and more fruit can bear. You know, during quarantine last year, we were all staying at home. I wish I could say I became a master gardener. 
I didn't, but I read a lot about gardening. I bought a book and I took a free online course because I was curious. I wanted to learn how to grow a, a cut flower garden. And in one of these videos, I was so surprised when this gardener was beginning to teach about pruning. This beautiful, vibrant, strong, green flower stem was shooting up from the earth, reminding us that spring is coming, life is being formed, the cold, long winter is over. And the first thing she did was take some shears and cut back the stem. I was like, why would you do something like that? Something beautiful is here. But in her wisdom, she showed now that this stem that was cut back for this particular plant was going to grow back three times, producing three times the fruit of these beautiful flowers. Y'all, I think there's some wisdom in pruning. Jesus is clear. God is going to prune us so that we produce more fruit, which is a good thing. But pruning isn't always pretty. And it sure isn't always easy. Sometimes it's even painful. You know, I think about the things God needs to prune in my life. What does God need to prune in yours? Does God need to prune back some negativity or cynicism so that fruit of listening and understanding and compassion begin to grow deeper in you? What about pruning your first instinct to judge or to cast someone off? So humility and grace, hospitality can begin to show and flow through you. We gotta let God prune our desire to be right so that kindness and gentleness and true leadership can blossom in our lives. Every plant needs pruning so more and better fruit can grow. So what is the one who is saying to you, I wish you were here want to prune from your life this year. Imagine the fruit of the spirit that is possible in your life if you actually actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is and trust that he's the true vine and that God is the master gardener. Imagine if you truly committed to abiding with Jesus this year and giving the garden shears over to God. Jesus goes on to say in this passage, my father is glorified by this, that you might bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When people see the godly fruit of our lives, it's God who gets the glory, as it should be. If we're people who say we follow Jesus, it should be evident because of the fruit in our lives. When we keep God's commands, when we're living in obedience over Jesus's, under Jesus' authority, there's going to be fruit to prove it. Fruit that looks like loving God and loving our neighbor. After all, here at Mountain, that's our mission, right? We want to make more and better disciples. And what does that look like? Well, people who love God, love people, and serve the world. We call that the mountain walk. And maybe you've been to a Welcome to Mountain gathering and where we've discussed that. And you know that part of loving God means abiding alone. This means only you are responsible for your relationship with Jesus. You're the one who's in the driving seat here. You're the one who's got to stay committed to remaining in the vine. So at some point, we've got to get serious about how we're abiding and ask ourselves some more hard questions. 
Do I have a real connection with Jesus? Is Jesus being formed in me? Am I regularly reading God's word? Am I hearing from God and responding in obedience? As you reflect on those questions, I sincerely hope you don't feel any sense of shame or condemnation, but rather you feel compelled and ready to gear up and jump in for our next New Year's act of revolution. Because here's the deal, abiding relationship with Jesus cannot be sustained without spending time in God's word. It just can't. Now, there's lots of ways to abide alone and grow in your relationship with Jesus, including prayer, worship, silence and solitude, and fasting. But you better believe 100% that one of those main ingredients is going to be getting into God's word. It just is. Abiding with Jesus cannot happen without spending time in your Bible. So, you might have guessed it, this is our third New Year's act of revolution. Increase your Bible intake. I'll say it again, increase your Bible intake, friends, with your willingness and desire and commitment, paired with God's strength, because the Lord knows that we need it. I'm confident that not only is this possible for you, but it's totally going to change your life. And I want to unpack with you a little bit one of the personal ways that this has looked like in my life, what God's had to prune back so that good fruit can come to bear. I gotta be honest with you, my least favorite time of the week is when my iPhone tells me my weekly screen time usage. I cringe at the moment, like, oh, has it gone up or has it gone down? Because sometimes I've hit that uh, extend time limit button. You see, I have no idea how this came to be. There was an iPhone update one day, and all of a sudden I get a a notification at 10 a.m. on Sundays that here's your screen time usage. And I've had to personally set boundaries and time limits for a lot of my social media apps because if I don't, then I just find myself mindlessly scrolling and scrolling. And oh my, it's embarrassing to tell you how much time has gone by where this dangerous, weird, consuming things, it's just poisoning my mind. It's producing rotten fruit. It is not good for me. So I had to go in my settings, because it's a weakness for mine, and set some time limits. But imagine the fruit that's possible if we traded the time that we spend with this in our hand and picked up God's word instead. Really, think about it. Do you think it would make an impact on your mood or your temper if you traded some time you spend scrolling and spend some time reading the Psalms instead? Ask yourself some hard questions here if you struggle with this too. Why am I consuming this? Am I looking for some community? Am I avoiding something? Am I trying to find validation? Am I I escaping reality? Am I fighting against insecurity? I don't know. You name it. Because there's no better place to find what you're looking for than looking here in God's word. There just isn't. If you're looking for love, if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for purpose, you find that in these pages not on some app, but here's the good news, y'all. The hope, the joy, the love, the answers to life's biggest questions and all the things your soul deeply longs for, they're found in God's word. That's where they're found. So maybe you're like, okay, you're saying it's good to get in God's word, I hear you, but what's the big deal with this Bible anyway? There's probably some of us who have some big questions around the Bible. Some of us are skeptical, like, is it really worth it? Isn't it just some old book written a long time ago in a faraway place by a bunch of old men? What does it have to do with my life today? 
Or maybe you're thinking, I've tried to read that before. I've started a few times and find myself quitting. I just don't understand it. Or I don't know where to start. It's just daunting. I want to set the record straight. This is God's word, y'all. This is a gift that we have to learn about God's story, what God's doing in the world, and how we get to be a part of it. You know, the Bible is actually made up of 66 smaller books, which basically compose two halves, the Old and New Testament. These books were written over a span of approximately 1,500 years and include a variety of genres like narratives and poetry, letters and history and more. And from the very first page of Scripture, we meet the Creator God who speaks life into being, who creates order out of chaos. And from the dust of the ground, humanity is formed through God's breath, and we are one with God in the garden. You might know the rest, brokenness and sin, the inner stage left, and there's consequences for humanity's rebellion against God, and that's death. But God isn't finished because God is a God of hope and love and justice and restoration and grace. And God always keeps his promises. So he makes a promise through the Jewish people, starting with Abraham and Sarah, to restore and redeem all things, making all things new. Even though God's people turn their back on him time and time again, we meet the fulfillment of that promise through the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And Jesus' life, teaching, death, and resurrection spark a movement of hope and love that we're still living out today. That's the church, y'all. And the Bible gives us instruction on how to live and spread that truth to those around us and usher in God's kingdom until Jesus comes again. Friends, Scripture holds the story this is where we learn God's character. We meet Jesus face to face. We experience the Spirit's embrace around us and the transforming power that it has in our lives. It's where you can find the questions or your, the answers to your questions about life's biggest puzzles. You find your purpose. You understand the mysteries of the world. It's no wonder the Bible says for itself, all scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I got to ask, why wouldn't we want to read it? Now, there might be a few of us who've known people who've taken God's word and they've twisted it. Or they've come to the Bible wanting it to say what they've wanted it to say. And that's not at all what God has intended. It breaks Jesus' heart and it hurts others. If you've been someone who's done that, y'all, we got to repent of that. And if you've been hurt by someone doing that, I just want to say I'm so, so sorry. That's not at all the posture we want to take when we come to approaching scripture, because when we do approach God's word, our posture matters. Part of my job here at Mountain is I get to work with our interns and residents, and every time we launch a new intern or resident on the team, we tell them, You've got a choice about how you want to enter into this experience with your posture. Are you here just for an educational experience, which is fine and good. You're going to learn some things. Or are you here and going to take a posture to be missional, here to serve God's church, to serve those around you, to love God, and just be a servant, hands and feet of Jesus. And you might guess which posture we encourage them to take. The same is true when we approach Scripture. We've got to check our posture. When we come to the Bible, remember to come humbly with prayer, 
come to simply be with Jesus and come with open hearts, hands, and minds. We want to come to the Bible humbly. Jesus modeled what this looks like over and over again as he interacted with people, everyone he met. He was humble and there to serve. And when we approach the Bible with humility and the posture of prayer, we're saying, Lord, you are in charge. I'm just here and eager to meet you. I'm here to serve you. It's a gift being in your presence. Next, we want to come to the Bible simply to be with Jesus. Yeah, we're going to learn. We're going to learn a lot along the way. But remember, it's Jesus' invitation. Come meet me here. I picture a gracious invitation saying, come to the cabin. The fire in the fireplace is crackling. Here, your coffee is brewing. Take the cozy spot in the chair and let's just hang out for a little while. Come with the posture just to meet Jesus face to face. And finally, come with your hearts, your hands, your minds open. When we do that, we want to just let God speak from the pages. So we come away with maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need God pruning something in our lives. Maybe we come away rejuvenated and filled with joy and comfort. And maybe we come away with a deeper purpose in our lives and a deeper conviction for God's love for all people, every nation and tongue. And then figure out, okay, how am I going to live this out and share this reconciling truth with the world around me? When we approach scripture with a posture of humility and in prayer, simply to be with Jesus and with open hands, heart, and mind, friends, that's an abiding posture. But unfortunately, along the way, for some of us, man, it just feels like the Bible is just something we've had to read. It's like a checklist, maybe, just what good Christians are supposed to do. But that's not the posture we want to take either. Yes, it's true that it's a discipline or a rhythm or a habit, whatever you want to call it. But perhaps for some of us, we just need a fresh sense of renewal, a reminder that the spark is lit, that we want to commit to abiding with Jesus and grow in our Bible intake. We've got to stay connected to the vine. How else are we supposed to know what's true and good and noble and pure and what God wants us to do in the word if we're not reading God's word for it? Maybe you remember, uh, it was just last year when Ben introduced a study from Barna that talked about Bible intake. It talked about if someone was in the Word a few times a week, well, yeah, some good things will happen. But when someone crossed that the threshold of four or more times a week, abundance and fruit was evident in their lives. When they committed to four or more times a week in the Bible, their life was revolutionary changed. You see, Bible intake is just one of the most basic and most important ways that we can grow to look more and more like Jesus. We want to get God's word in and around our heart for revolutionary change. So I encourage you, we're going to increase our Bible intake this year. It all comes back to abiding. It just does. Remember, Jesus is that trustworthy friend who's reliable, who wants your best interest at heart, who wants the best fruit produced in you to overflow. So we gotta stay connected to the vine. We gotta abide with Jesus. And it means we gotta fall under the authority of Jesus. But how often do we like to claim our own authority? You know, I, I know I do. We live disconnected to the vine, only crawling back when we're desperate. 
It's like walking through the forest and suddenly the path is narrow and it's rocky and it's starting to wind and incline. And before you know it, you can't really see the moonlight or the starlight through the trees. And you're just simply lost and it feels like you're suffocating. You don't know where to go. And then something clicks and you're reminded, wouldn't it be helpful if I had some light? God's word is a light. The psalmist knew it when he wrote, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Y'all, don't we need light more than ever right now? You can look around and see that the world is just a mess. Spoiler alert, it's been a mess since sin entered the picture, but Jesus says for himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's take our next revolutionary step and up our Bible intake together. Let's commit to nurturing our relationship with Jesus, growing in this key discipline of reading scripture so God's light can light our path. Now I know we're all over the map on this one, and that's totally okay. We've all got a step to take to move from here for there. There, So I want to just share a couple of next best steps that each of us can take no matter where we're at. And I encourage you to join us on Wednesday for Facebook Live where we're going to talk more about this and share some more practical steps and encouragement and answer any questions you might have on this topic. But if this is new to you, if you're like, I've never tried this before, I don't even know if I own a Bible, take courage. You are not alone. Start with baby steps. Baby steps. Go ahead and shoot for five minutes a day getting into God's word. And go ahead and shoot for that four times a week for the next six weeks. Start with reading one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Or you can follow along in a free devotional on the YouVersion Bible app that's right there on your phone. Set some time limits for some other of your apps, but then set the notifications on for your Bible app to remind you, let's read God's word together. And if it's really hard for you to focus, or maybe you're not much of a reader, or you're like, Hillary, you don't know my life. I don't even have five minutes. Well, try listening to the Bible app. It'll read scripture over you while you're on a walk, while you're cooking, while you're driving in the car. Find a time of day where you can hit play and listen to God's word. There's two more apps I want to recommend to you called a abide and pray as you go both of those I use personally and they're great free resources that read scripture and pray over you imagine what that would look like if you listen to scripture first thing in the morning or while you're falling asleep at night and then some of us probably have decent rhythms of bible intake but maybe you're ready for your next step or you've lost the spark or you just want to meet Jesus in a new and fresh way try switching up the translation that you're used to reading Maybe it's time to get a new study Bible. Perhaps you want to commit to memorizing long passages from Scripture. All of us can have a post-it note and write a Scripture verse and post it around the house to get God's Word in us. Maybe it's time to incorporate more silence and solitude into your Scripture reading rhythms. And maybe it's time for you to get in a group. You know, campus groups are happening right now. It's not too late to join. They're happening in person and online, and they're going through the book of Acts. You can find more information on our website or in the chat, but make sure you get in a campus group. What a better way, if you've never done this before, to, to get alongside other people who are just learning and reading God's word together. They're there to keep you accountable and to encourage you. And friends, if you have influence over a little one, 
whether it's a child, a niece or nephew, a grandchild, maybe you're a coach or a teacher or a small group leader, know that you've got little eyes watching you. How can you find an opportunity to read scripture together, to pray before practice, to speak prayerful, God-filled words over them? Let them learn what abiding with Jesus looks like when they look at you. And one more resource I really love and come back to time and time again is the Bible Project. It's got a podcast and a website with lots of fun videos that explain not only how the Bible came to be, but overview of each and every book of the Bible and different words you might find in Scripture or different themes. It's a great free resource and easy to check out. So I encourage you to head over to thebibleproject.com. I realize I just shared a lot of practical steps for you and it can feel a little overwhelming, but take heart, take note. Um, all of those resources will be mentioned in the sermon notes that you can check out on our website or see in the chat. No matter where you're at on the journey, it's just important to remember we all can take one step forward closer to the here that God is calling us to. If you want fruit in your life that looks healthy and strong and brave and good and hopeful, maybe your word for 2021 can be abide. You know, some people choose words for the year instead of goals. And what a perfect word each of us could take. We can all use the word abide this year and commit to abiding in Jesus, our hope and savior of the world. There's countless personal stories of mountain people who can see the fruit evident in their lives because they got serious about getting in God's word. Frankie, who's just shy of 14, has almost completed reading the entire Bible this past year. Here's what he has to say. I like the routine being in God's word every day gives me. It helps me remember that God is always with me and I can connect to God daily. It has also been cool to see how the Bible is just one big picture, and I'm able to see how things connect in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When I hear passages preached from at church and in small group, I know how they connect to God's big story. Sarah says, no one really taught me how to read God's word. I just started and trusted Jesus in it. And it really is the living word of God because God met me there. I encourage everyone to just pray, Lord, help me want to read this. And don't be afraid to jump in or ask someone for help. You know, and finally, I wanted to show you this. It might look a little dated. It's because it is. It was published before I was even born. But it's my dad's old Bible. And I've got vivid memories watching him carry this into church and seeing it on his bedside table along with my mom's. And even though he's been gone for almost 20 years now, I still have it. And I still see my mom's Bible on her bedside table every time I go to visit her, even though she'll be the first to tell you she'd rather read from the Bible app on her iPad. But knowing they knew what it meant to abide in Jesus because of the way that they were always in God's word, it overflowed in their actions and in their lives and greatly impacted me. I also reap the benefit and the fruit of that from my stepdad and my in-laws, and it just makes me smile. It just makes me grateful. Remember, y'all, this is a lifelong journey that we're all on together. But today is the best day that we can begin. Let's be renewed with the deepest and truest longings just to know and be with Jesus. Let's commit to increasing our Bible intake this year so revolutionary fruit can just flow through our lives by God's spirit and through God's power. 
May the time that we spend in God's word be known to others, not by any boasting that we do, but by the humble ways that God's word transforms and softens our hearts and our minds and our souls to look more and more like Jesus. May others know that we are Jesus' disciples because of the fruit in our lives, because the way we love God and because the way we love one another. Y'all, get into God's word so God can get into you.